song, and then Steve's going to come up and, and, um, and give us our lesson. Amen? Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song of sweet accord. Join in a song of sweet accord. And thus around the throne, and thus around the throne. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching over to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. But children of the heavenly King, but children of the heavenly King, they speak their joys abroad, they speak their joys abroad. Come on. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching over to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets Before we reach the heavenly field Before we reach the heavenly field Or walk the golden streets Or walk the golden streets Oh, we're marching to Zion Beautiful, beautiful Zion We're marching over to Zion The beautiful city of God then let our songs about and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. To fairer world on high, to fairer world on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching over to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Oh, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Dwight. Yeah, I know. I got the Britney mic going on. I'm, you know, what can I tell you? Not a huge fan for, for the uh, clip on, but it's working, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Happy New Year, South Bay Church! Yeah. I am super excited to see all you guys here this morning. What a great way to start out 2014. I've missed you guys. Um, just want to let you guys know how much Jacqueline and I love you. Uh jeez. I want to thank a number of people right off of the uh, get-go here, the Johnsons, the Adkins, the Craigs, and the Wingies, who really did a phenomenal job of getting their arms around each and every one of you and keeping things moving forward. And you as a church, very, very proud of you. I appreciate how loving you are, what you demonstrated towards your brothers and sisters on the west side, and uh, appreciate you kind of holding our hand to the fire about getting back here at the beginning of the year. <laughs> really, really glad to be back. Um... As you can see, the title of the message this morning is, Where Are You Heading? You know, that's kind of one of those things you think about a little bit more so at the beginning of each, at the end of the year and the beginning of each year. I did want to start out in a, uh, with, a, with a, just a couple of individuals here that I wanted to mention briefly. Where's uh, Joe Perez? Stand up, man. 
So an incredible part of our worship team. You, know, you may ask yourself, well, why did I have him stand up in light of where are you heading? Well, Joe's going to be leaving us heading back to the church in San Antonio, Texas. <laughs> Feel in love, my brother. <laughs> Do want to let you know, bro, you go with our prayers. And uh, really, really, again, I can't even begin to express how much I appreciate what you've demonstrated here for the church as, our worship, as a part of our worship team. And uh, pray for a smooth transition. Everything goes well there with family, you know, obviously with your integration with the church there as well. Uh, Patricia Merrill, where are you at? Where is Patricia heading? Well, she headed back here. So good to see you. You may know that uh, she had a surgery and that kind of kept her out of the fellowship for a little bit, but so grateful to have you back. So good to see you. So where are we heading? 2014. Now, how many of you excited about the new year? How many of you were excited about last year? Not quite as exuberant, but you know. So when it comes to 2014 for me, I'm not quite sure how to feel. Because I do know at the uh, end of every year, there's kind of that time where you kind of assess things. Like, that was okay, this was not so much, and uh, 2013 ended up a lot differently than we anticipated going into 2013. But uh, very, very grateful for God, uh, all the lessons that were learned through last year. And, uh, you know, I, there are those instances, and I haven't done this probably in the last four or five years, but you keep hoping the next year maybe it will be a little bit easier than the preceding one. I'm not even going to go there. I, I do know that God uh, tends to uh, keep things within our range of being able to deal with it. So... You know, when it comes to this, this time of year, what is the norm as we start out a new year? Resolutions. Yeah, there's a, there's, there can be a few of those. This is the top ten. I would imagine as disciples, preferably the first one isn't too much of an issue. It may have been before you became a Christian. Uh, getting the, so we got number one, stop smoking. Two, get in the habit of being fit, lose weight, battle the bulge. Number three, number four, enjoy life more. Number five, quit drinking. Six, organize yourself. Seven, learn something new. Eight, get out of debt. Nine, spend more time with family. Number ten, help people. I'm a little bit ahead of the curve this year on the uh, battle of the bulge. I don't know what it is. There seems to be a, anywhere from a 15 to 20 pound fluctuation from the well, through the course of the year, uh, Cancun didn't do us any favors with uh, on-demand eating and drinking and all the rest of that when it came to caloric intake. I- I'm glad uh, I've only got about six, seven pounds that I need to contend with this year, unlike the close to 30 last year. But uh, So these are things that we think about. We do take that time to make an assessment, and sometimes it can be a little confusing as to where we're going to go, what it is we need to do, what we need to focus on, especially in this day and age. Now... We enter a mall, what's one of the first things we do if it's a new one? You hit that directory, where's the dot in relationship to where you're going? And I I think when it comes to life, it can be a little bit more challenging. We know where we're at now, but how do we get to where we want to go? And I think this is one of the things that's great about God in the direction we get through the Bible. There's a lot of confusion. you got the future, past, present, this way, that way, wherever. And the media, in so many ways, it tells us where we should be, what we should have, who we should be, what we should look like, how we should dress, how much money we need to make. All these different things are vying for our attention. And I think really being careful that with that confusion, we don't lose sight of what God represents to us first and foremost. That needs to be our primary focus. So where are you 
right now when it comes to 2014. Buddha's got a, a pretty incredible quote here that reads, there are only two mistakes that we can make along the road to truth. And one of the things I'm grateful for as a Christian, we've got Christ who represents that truth. So when it comes to where we're trying to go, we do have an end game in mind. There's a point that we can look to and say, yes, I want to look to Christ. I want to exemplify his truth in my life to others, being Christ to others. So it's a matter of how we really incorporate that into our lives. Now, the mistakes that Buddha talks about here are, number one, not going all the way. Number two, not starting. You know, really thinking about that as far as the road of truth as we head forth into 2014. Many of us have started. Are we still on the right path when it comes to the truth? Do we still have the same convictions that we had when Jesus Christ was first ushered into our lives when we started studying the Bible and we really understood what that truth is? Are we on a path that will enable us to complete the task that will get us to heaven? And for the rest of you, there may be some of you here for the first time today. I want to take the opportunity to welcome you to our family. It's great to have you here. There may be a little bit difference to the quest that you're about. You know, maybe you're kind of shopping for a church right now or trying to figure out how to incorporate spirituality in your life. The thing that I want to really encourage you to do today is to engage, is to start in light of what Buddha talks about here. What does that look like? Well, if you've got a friend or family member that brought you on out, Ask them, what did it look like for them? What, what did the starting look like? Uh, if you found us on the Internet, I'm sure you'll have somebody at some point in time today see that you may be visiting for the first time and pull you aside and invite you on over for a meal. Take them on up for it and have that conversation with them as you move forward when it comes to this quest for a relationship with God. You know, If you haven't started, today's probably the day that would be a good idea for you to get on the right path, to really think about this and engage. Psalm 121, verse 5, it's a very encouraging passage for me. Uh, there's a song that we used to do, I haven't heard in a while, but you know that, the Lord watches. Well, he does. I'm not going to go any further than that. I'd probably butcher it, and I don't want our worship team to uh, have a lynch mob waiting outside for me when we finish up today. But in Psalm 121, verse 5, it reads, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade, your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. It's incredible to know that that is how our God is integrated in our lives, how our God watches out for us. As a parent with a young child, that's the kind of God we have. And I'm so grateful to know that when I'm humble enough to honor God and to obey and to serve God, it's amazing how awesome my life can be. You know, to, to be able to serve full time. This started three years ago for us here in South Bay. And, I, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you've heard Jackie and I talk about it. When uh, 2003, we uh, resigned from the ministry. We went self-supporting during that period of time. And we said we would never, ever... Well, I don't know if we uh, locked in on the never. I know it was kind of, Jackie stated that she would rather poke needles in her eye or something along those lines than ever go back on full-time staff again. Um, I probably wasn't too far behind her on that. You know, when we uh, when I had moved to Denver, uh, 
I was definitely in a position where I liked the idea where I wasn't really known. I could kind of fly in below the radar, at least that's what I told myself. And, you know, eventually somebody might ask us to lead a Bible talk, and I'd be okay with that, and we would do that and kind of see where it went. Well, God obviously had other plans, and uh, there was a little bit of trepidation. I think anytime you come into a new situation, a new ministry, uh, step back into the full-time ministry, especially at the age of 52 for me, there aren't a whole lot of those life options left as far as transitioning in and out. Um, you know, even the resumes start looking a little weird after a while. But uh, I, I'm just so incredibly grateful that God felt that he wasn't done with us yet. And there was a lot that he wanted to be involved with us on moving forward. And that we've got this incredible family here in the South Bay. Where are you heading? You know, I think a lot of times it starts out with the people that are in your life. Uh, for me, uh, it started with Bruce Teague back in September of 1990, a man that was willing to share the good news and then be vested relationally with me and to study the Bible with me and deal with all my issues and problems and marital woe and kid woe and woe, woe. I mean, you know, there was all kinds of issues. But he stuck with me. For Jess Asper, who came into my life and asked me to go on staff in 1992. Thank you incredible life and just looking how this life has progressed through people in my life so i appreciate andre costa and just the friendship that i have with him and the mutual love we have for god's creation and being able to go out and pray together just sit there and look at the ocean together and realize god created this for us to enjoy for ken chow uh, just a great friend uh confidant a guy that i can just really get real with and there's calvin johnson there's andy wingy there's so many people that have had a great influence on my life, just even in the last three years. And with the West Side more recently, Alan Pellerin just became an incredible friend in a very short period of time. Being able to connect with Chuck Bray, Ray Brown, Keith Rose, and the need for relationships. This is why we are here. God wanted us to have a relationship with Him. And all these relationships helped me get the right perspective as to how awesome heaven will be. You know, one of the things that I, I love about God and I love about Jesus Christ in particular is how Jesus has instilled a passion for people on my heart. And I'm so grateful to God for that. But I think for me, heading into 2014, I want to be more passionate about God, understanding what the implications will be for everyone that I have the opportunity to come into contact with. And we see in God how... He wanted to endear himself to us. One of my favorite passages that really demonstrates this is Philippians 2, verse 1. If you'll uh, read on with me here. Philippians 2, verse 1. It reads then, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, if those of you looking along, this is the Holman's uh, Christian Bible. A little bit different translation. I'll explain that in a minute. If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all harm. Oops, I'm sorry. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not out only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, 
You know, so it tells us that this is something we've got to work on. It doesn't just happen. It says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. You know, again, we see the selflessness of, of God here. We see the selflessness of Christ here. God, Jesus, eternity together, heaven together. Jesus could have totally used that to his advantage on so many different fronts. He could have come down with 12,000 angels, just torched everything, set his kingdom on up. Yet he wanted to demonstrate for us what passion looks like, what compassion looks like, what love looks like, what family looks like, what relationships, true relationships look like. So he didn't use any of who he was or his standing to his own invasion, uh, to his own advantage. Instead, it says, in the, continue here in the verse, instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. When he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, this, this situation here in verse 7 is rather interesting. It says, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. In the Greek, it translates morphendulo, which we've talked about this before. Dulos is slave. So here we have God in the flesh, king of kings. You know, you think of, uh, as a kid, you know, we, we think about morphing. You know, there were the Power Rangers, there's the Transformers, there's... All these different shows that, you know, where you can morph into something amazing. You know, you can get all the bad guys. You can win. You can be stronger than you actually are. Superheroes. Isn't that what that's all about? Was that Jesus' attitude? I mean, this is so counterintuitive. This is so counter who we are. He morphed from the king of kings to a slave. Went from being God to slave. You know, when you think about this with Jesus, the thing that's so amazing, too, is that he exemplified so many things that would make this world such a different place if we were to look to that example. What are the attributes of a slave when we look to Jesus? Jesus modeled it. He's patient, kind, selfless, humble, forgiving, righteous, truthful, always hopeful. He was a protector, enduring persevering, peaceful, good, faithful, gentle, joyful, compassionate, self-controlled, merciful, tender-hearted. That's who Jesus Christ is. This is what he represents. You know, you may be wondering where all those things came from. And some of you may have recognized some of the passages that you could attribute them to. But it's just so amazing that as you go through those passages, whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 8, Colossians 3, 12, or Galatians 5, Jesus holds true in each one of those situations for each one of those applications. You know, Galatians 5, it's a passage we're all pretty familiar with, right? Galatians 5, 19 through 20. But what comes after that? 
What comes after that? Somebody said it over here. You know, it's amazing. We've got the sin part down. And I think there's, there's, even from a standpoint of Satan, Satan wants that to be on the forefront of our minds so we can beat ourselves up over it, so we can feel bad about ourselves, so we can feel that there isn't possibly anything that Jesus could do to redeem us, to overcome the sin that's been in our life, and the means of doing that are the ver- verses that come after this. The fruits of the Spirit. How much time do we spend focused on those? That's why it's really important for us to make sure that we're reading things in context. I mean, you know, that, that 19 through 20 can be kind of overwhelming because I, I see myself all too clearly in those verses. But what we want, where we want to see ourselves clearly is in the verses that follow that. You know, just thinking, thinking about that. 519, acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And a lot of times that's where we stop. But what's it going to take for us to inherit the kingdom of God? We know that these things won't enable us to. So with that, where ultimately, where are we heading? You know, if we continue in the passage... It says, do nothing out of rivalry, conceit. You know, I'm, I'm out of order here. Sorry about that. Verse 22. I'm going left to right instead of right to left. Verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the thing that's so encouraging about these things is against these things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, what do we need to do? We need to keep in step with the Spirit. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and emmying each other. Again, where are we heading? Well, in verse 25, the direction we need to be heading is in the same direction as the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Making sure that in 2014 that what we're really doing is we're looking to that example of Christ. We talk about it all the time, but I think rather than just waiting to the end of the year to take an assessment as to where we're at, how about we do it more frequently? Maybe weekly. Maybe even daily. How are we doing? How are we doing in the workplace? Teens, how are we doing in school? Singles, how are we doing in the workplace? How are we doing in our households? You know, is there something exemplary that people can see in us? Is there that contrast that people can see that will make them, kind of like back in the old days, Arsenio, you know, those things that make you go, hmm, you know, I mean, why are they that way? Why do they act that way? Why are they different? Because through our lives, we can make a difference in other people's lives. So where are we heading? You know, the end of the year is generally the time that most companies and businesses take on the task of doing a physical inventory. Ever, any of you ever participate in that? Physical inventories? Let's see some hands. We got any of you? Isn't that a whole lot of fun? You know, when I was a kid, my folks had a uh, trophy manufacturing plant. And uh, I hated inventory with a passion. I, you know, you, you, we would do, at the time, AYSO, most of the leagues we were involved with, 1,000, 2,000 trophies. At the end of a soccer season, we could have anywhere from ten to 20,000 trophies going out of our shop. 
So you can imagine the kind of inventory that's involved. We have anywhere from 10 to 30,000 soccer figures involved. And there'd be male and female. And then there's baseball and football and victory figures and cups and all these things. And then you get down to the connectors and the rods and everything that puts it together and the marble that was involved, crates and crates of marble from Italy. And having to count that stuff. I mean, there were some long, boring days. But, you know, there's a benefit to inventory. Inventory allows us to determine what we had, what we were lacking, what we had accomplished, what we had failed to do that particular year, and the areas that needed attention in the upcoming year. Now, if companies actually do this, don't you think it would be foolish not to apply those same principles to our own spiritual lives? See, the end of the year is an opportune time to take spiritual inventory. A self-examination is something that's even prescribed by the Word of God in the first part of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's take a look at that. 1 Corinthians 13, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Paul tells us to. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you were in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I think what that, that assessment enables us to do is, are we finishing what, we're start, what we had started? Are we on the right path to finish what we had started? Is the truth of Christ something that's being exemplified in our lives? And we need to be honest with ourselves. If we aren't exactly where we needed to be, amen. It means we identify it and we can change it. I look back at last year for me, and, you know, I wanted to take that assessment. There are a number of areas in my life that I, I needed to take a look at. You know, I looked at uh, my own personal study, uh, trying to acquire more knowledge about God, about Christ, about churches, about uh, so many different aspects of our lives. I, I read close to 50 books last year. It's almost a book a week, which I give myself an excellent on that. It was up about 20 books for the uh, preceding year. The area of my kids, I have to say that it's an area that I did excellent with this year, but it's because of the help from so many of you in here when it came to some of the issues I had in 2010, 2011, 2012 in my life. You know, the Pelizzeris, the Wingies, Johnsons, Thomases, the Chias, I mean, virtually anybody we had any kind of relationship with was willing to kind of call me out in the areas that I needed to change up, my harshness, the way I communicated, uh, being sometimes over-demanding. And it really led to an incredible year this year with our kids. I mean, my, my relationship with Steven's the best it's ever been. My relationship with Shailene, she's been kind of putting us to the test the last few weeks here. And that, uh, I won't get into details. <laughs> and, you know, comes my marriage. <laughs> I get myself an above average in the marriage this year. Uh, we, we've had some great talks, uh, our vacation to Cancun started out a little shaky because Jackie wanted to have one of those deep talks with me, which I'm thinking, okay, we spent the money to, to fly here. We spent the money for, fortunately, we had a friend of ours took us up with the timeshare, so we just had to pay for the food, but we're paying for the food. And if it doesn't go well, I don't have any of you to help mediate. I mean, come on. But it went really well. We really connected, and I think it's going to help us continue to connect on a communication level in the areas that we can really glorify God more in our relationship with him. I'm grateful for him. grateful for Jackie. In hindsight, wanting to have the talk. Wasn't necessarily that fired up on the uh, front side. 
I think from a standpoint of uh, discipleship, I feel like it's above average. Areas I need to grow, I think relationally, being a better friend, really going after that aggressively. Appreciate the Wingies, uh kind of challenges on how many of those relationships we were in. We were in about 11 or 12 at the time. I think we've got it down to about eight now. But uh, no, more, less. Never mind. <laughs> she was kind of she gave me one of those looks and just shook her head. But anyway, uh, so you know, I, there's 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 need for growth there. And I think as far as God's concerned, worship um, it went from an average last year to uh, an above average in 2013. But it's an area where I really want to take it higher because I feel like if as I pursue that, I'm going to be more good to you. I'm going to be more good to everyone that we come into contact with, and that's something that's super important to me. So thinking through this, some practicals. Take an inventory. We need to take an inventory of our prayer life. You know, much can be learned about our level of spirituality by examining our prayer life. How much prayer did we enter into this past year? Did we allow situations to choke it out? You know, from a standpoint of making a vow before God as we do in marriage, you know, in sickness and health, how did we do with our prayer life this last year? In First Thessalonians three, excuse me, five or seventeen, it says, "Pray without ceasing." You know, this is an area that I'm really proud of my wife in. She is so exemplary in this. Jacqueline prayed 1,373 days for her mom to become a Christian. Just see up there on the uh, screen. That's her mom at a Woman's Day a couple of years back. Uh, her mother has been such a gift to so many in the East region. There's so many moms, aunts sisters that Joanne, my mother-in-law, helped bring into the kingdom. Uh, she led one of our most fruitful Bible talks. The woman's still leading one. She's 82 years old. It's just amazing. I think that's all because of prayer. You know, I look at the other picture up there on the screen. Jacqueline prayed 8,395 days for Stephen to find a woman that would be unified with him in striving for heaven together. And it made Christmas... <clears throat> you wouldn't know by the way I'm reacting right now, but one of the most enjoyable Christmases I'd ever had the opportunity to be a part of is I watched my son share with Aaron, the young lady that's up there on the picture, how much she meant to him, the impact that she had had in his life, and they get down on a knee and propose to her, and she said yes. So 2014, I'll end up with a uh, young lady that's a part of the family. But again, that's the power of prayer. How did we do last year in this area? You know, I think we need to take inventory of our Bible study. You know, our, our study habits, our time with God. How much time did we spend this past year in the Bible? Second Timothy 2 verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of God. And I think there's a word here that you know, it doesn't necessarily fire, fire us up a whole lot. It says, a workman. What does that mean? There's work involved. I mean, honestly, when we think this through, is there anything that we do in life that has an incredible outcome, that has no work involved? How many lottery winners do we have here? Take a look around. No work involved with that, and needless to say, there ain't any out there. That's kind of how it goes in life. If you want something, you have to work for it. If we want a great relationship with God and we know what comes from that, you know, invest a little bit of work. You know, you miss one day a week, 
You've heard this before, but I think it bears repeating. That's 52 days out of the year you haven't been fed by God. Miss two, it's got you up to 104. I mean, I have hard enough time going four or five hours without eating, let alone you start tacking days together. But we're, we're willing to do that. We're willing not to work for the relationship with God. Work for other things. But it's amazing how we'll pull back from that relationship with God, knowing the outcome of our lives, if we're willing to be a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Then finally, and again, these are just a few practicals. Uh, I actually sent it out by CCB earlier today. Some of you may have already received it. Uh, It was an incredible list of ten things that will help us be more effective in kind of planning out where our year goes. There's some great tips in there. So if you get a chance, take a look at that. I think that will help with this process. But I think the final thing here is we need to take inventory of our place in our church. You know, in 2013, did we help or hurt the work of the Lord? Did we get on board and work to accomplish what God wants for His church? Or did we just sit on the sideline? And you know, in looking at South Bay today versus three years ago, I don't know that we've got hardly anybody in here that isn't serving in some capacity. And I want you guys to give yourself a round of applause for that, because I think that's what God is really encouraged by. You know, I think sometimes because of that work thing and what we view as work and reward and the immediacy of things that can take place here and now, we lose sight of what Francis Chan talked about in that video we watched with the rope, with the little red tip. We get more concerned with that red tip sometimes than we do the eternity that, that extends out from that. And are we using our talent more for the world or for God's kingdom? And I think just remembering that each member is a vital part of the body, and let's make sure that we're all unified in that way this year. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27 talks about it. Each part is valuable. Each part has a role. That means everyone has the ability to contribute something to glorifying God and His kingdom. Isaiah 44, verse 22. It's one of the things I love about God. It says here in this passage, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud. Burst in a song, you mountains, you forests, and you trees, for the Lord has redeemed. You know, and just thinking through what the Israelites had gone through and the enslavement, the exile, all the things that they had been a part of when they kind of lost sight of God, but here's what God has always been waiting to do, and this is a foreshadowing of what we have through Christ. He swept away their offenses, their sins, like the morning mist. And then there's that encouragement for us to return to Him. Why? Because God has redeemed us. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He swept away our offenses by coming down, not being concerned about who He was, but being more concerned with what He would represent to us by being that slave and taking on our offenses, going to that cross, and giving us a means of having our sins washed away through the waters of baptism. So where are you heading? Well, I think in closing, it's one of two places. Second Peter 2, verse 22. says, Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. 
First Peter 2.22, I guess ultimately in this passage, it talks about what Jesus endured so that we could get right with God. So we're not like that dog or like that sow, but ultimately Jesus gives us the opportunity to look just like him before God. Verse 25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know, I think uh, sometimes we need to kind of check our GPS setting when it comes to the direction we're going in relationship to God. I mean, there are those times where maybe we're not sure about where we're heading. And again, that's where this comes into play. All of you have the ability to help someone make sure that they've got their GPS program properly. You know, I, through the years, it's amazing. In the old days, you had a DVD disc you had to put in, and you had to update that every few years. And if you didn't, you know, you ended up in the middle of nowhere listening to the directions on the GPS. And there's a uh, little video clip I wanted to show you this morning that I find rather amusing. Um, most of you are familiar with uh, Mayhem? The, uh, I think they're the Allstate commercials. This one kind of summarizes what we're talking about here. Yes. Turn right up ahead. You never updated me, so now I just have to like, wing it. Alright, man. Turn left. Recalculating. Turn right now! <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. This totally cracks me up. They keep getting better and better, too. I don't know if you guys have seen the tailgating one, but anyway. <laughs> when you think about this, you look at mayhem up there on the screen, what comes to mind? Satan. He doesn't want us going in the right direction. He wants to confuse us. He wants to throw other things out there that look attractive. You know, they're all shiny and twinkly on the outside. And you want this. You need this. This is the direction you need to go. And if we're not careful, the writer in Hebrews talks about how we can get out there and drift. That's what Satan wants. He wants, to, he wants us to crash our faith. Let's be careful that we're not allowing Satan to recalculate our direction for us. See, I think if we apply the practicals that we all know work from a biblical standpoint, what God has done in our lives already. So many of us have witnessed so many different miracles in so many different ways, but we can lose sight of that. I think if we apply those practicals, we'll know we're heading in the right direction. As we saw in Isaiah, we'll be singing and rejoicing rather than wallowing in the muck like that Saul we saw in Second Peter. I think realizing this morning as we sit here, for me, choice is mine. For you, the choice is yours. Let's take time here to assess last year so we can glorify God in all we do in 2014 and return. Make sure that we return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls so that we can answer with confidence the question that we may get hit with along the way. And then on that final day, which is where are you heading? Let's go ahead and bow our heads for the communion. Well, Father... Uh, I stand before you today very humble, uh, looking back at 2013 uh, and the way that you watched over your church, the way that you watched over Jacqueline and I, just uh, the help that was there on, on so many different fronts relationally. Most importantly, God, what Jesus Christ represents to you, I know each and every one of us personally. Knowing that you're the overseer of our souls and with that oversight that you sent Jesus to die for us, 
that you give us the, the opportunity to have this incredible relationship with you and to appreciate everything that you've created for us. Father, I pray that we never lose sight of Jesus. Uh, we don't allow Satan to get in there and help recalculate the direction that we're going in. But we can always, as we look to the cross, know where we're heading, know with confidence that on that day that we arrive before you for judgment, we'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, I know as we sit here today, that's the thing that is so important to each and every one of us. And with that, that we'll be able to share the good news with others, share about what Jesus Christ represents in our own lives so that others may have the opportunity to have that clarity of direction and confidence as to where they will spend eternity. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his body. Thank you for his blood that represents the, the cleansing of our sins today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.